the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, October 30th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. We have Mr. Bill to my west. We have David Dahl, my producer, to my north. Some tough thoughts here this afternoon. I remember after 9-11 saying I think this war will last a very long time, much longer than World War II. And it may very well end in a stalemate. And for this terrible reason alone, terrible but true, our culture no longer has what it takes to wage the kind of war we need to wage to win the kind of victory we need to win. You will recall during the liberation of Afghanistan and then Iraq, most of cable news ran a running ticker of American and others' wartime casualties and deaths, not unlike during covid Cable news is in the hysteria business, after all. Those hundreds of war dead and then thousands, all awful, all sad and tragic, were used as nothing more than numbers on a tote board to horrify the American people and, of course, the sitting administration, just as they were during COVID, handily enough, both happening during Republican presidencies. Thought experiment. Do you think under a president Hillary Clinton, COVID would have been reported on the way it was? Do you think under a President Al Gore or John Kerry, the Afghanistan and Iraq wars would have been reported on the way they were? Right now, the Biden Justice Department is going after CBS war correspondent Catherine Herridge for not revealing her source about a story on a Chinese spy in America. During the George W. Bush administration, reporters from The New York Times, The Washington Post and The Wall Street Journal were given Pulitzers for disclosing important classified national security and wartime intelligence information that hampered our efforts and ruined anti-terror programs. And nobody thought they had to reveal their sources, their sources who I should say were breaking the law. In any event, back to our culture and war. The media wanted us to hand-wring and pearl-clutch over every death under a Republican president so as to remonstrate against an unjust war, or really an unjust president as they saw it, because our fight against terrorism was taking 10 and 20 soldiers a month, and then hundreds a year, and then thousands over the course of several years. But anyone with any sense of history knew, again, as awful as those sacrifices were each and every one of them. This was war. And America had seen those numbers in weeks and decades past when wars were fought to their uttermost, concluding with decisive victories in a period of three and four years. The Battle of Tarawa, we lost in three days, one quarter of all the soldiers that we lost in all our years in Iraq. In one battle in Germany, we lost in 10 days what we lost in all the years of Iraq and Afghanistan combined over 20 years. In Okinawa, where my daddy fought, we lost in two months the equivalent of three 20-year-long Iraq wars. My point is not to minimize the loss of any American soldier. Of course not. It is, however, to point out we don't know what war is anymore, at least not war 
fought for a moral reason and with the concept of victory rather than half measures that leave Americans dead, but to stalematic avails. War is, of course, an ugly thing. It is almost the most ugly of things, but not the ugliest. As John Stuart Mill put it during our civil war in America, war is an ugly thing, but not the ugliest of things for the decayed and degraded state of moral and patriotic feeling, which thinks that nothing is worth a war is much worse. He goes on, when a people are used as mere human instruments for firing cannon or thrusting baronets in the service and for the selfish purposes of a master, such war degrades a people. A war to protect other human beings against tyrannical injustice, a war to give victory to their own ideas of right and good, and which is their own war carried on for an honest purpose by their free choices, often the means of their regeneration. A man who has nothing which he is willing to fight for, nothing which he cares more about than he does about his own personal safety, is a miserable creature who has no chance of being free unless made and kept so by the exertions of better men than himself, as long as justice and injustice have not terminated their ever-renewing fight for ascendancy in the affairs of mankind, human beings must be willing when need is to do battle for the one against the other, he concluded. Close quote. I, as much as anyone, wish we could all be pacifists and we could all beat our swords into plowshares. But there are warmongers in a world. There is evil, as we can succumb to it, and we can succumb to it or we can fight it. We do honor still, do we not, those who marched and fought and died against slavery, singing as he died to make men holy, we shall die to make men free. And what was a bloodier per capita death rate by far of Americans than fighting off the Nazis and Imperial Japan? We lost about 400,000 Americans in World War II, which is 600% less than just the Union lost in the Civil War on a per capita basis. And recall it was a damned bloody war where, to repeat, week-long battles cost us as many Americans as the entire Iraq and Afghanistan wars combined over two decades. Of course, we were a different country back then. We viewed life differently. We didn't have cable television and people believed in the American cause and the necessary sacrifice for it. In fact, they believed the American cause could only be secured via sacrifice. Give me liberty or give me death was how we began as a nation, after all. Live free or die was something worth fighting for. We knew something else in those days, too. Wars didn't just kill generals. When we and Great Britain bombed Berlin, thousands were killed, not just soldiers. When we bombed Tokyo, tens of thousands were killed, not just soldiers. When we bombed Dresden, more thousands were killed, not just soldiers. Same, too, for our bombings in Italy. We needed unconditional surrender so that, in the words of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, quote, those forms of treachery would never endanger us again, close quote. Yes, to repeat, it would be wonderful if we lived in a world where nation would not lift up sword against nation, but we live for now in a world where there is a time for war and a time for peace. One can call for excuses. One can call for proportionality. One can call for restraint. One can call for ceasefire. But note, all those calls seemingly only come after the guilty first massacre the innocent, and the calls are for the restraint of and on those who were attacked. As George Orwell put it, quote, pacifism is objectively pro-fascist. This is elementary common sense. If you hamper the war effort of one side, you automatically help out that of the other. Close quote. Think about in Israel what a ceasefire 
would mean. We just received news that the 22-year-old German girl who was kidnapped in Israel on October 7th and dragged through the streets, Shani Luke, an early face to the Hamas attack on Israel, was not only dragged through the streets and raped for attending a peace concert, but she was then decapitated. This for attending a peace concert. Well, that's wrong. This for being Jewish or perceived as being Jewish. We just received news that a Jewish baby was put into an oven and baked alive and to death by Hamas in in its October 7th attack on Jews in Israel. And we learned a professor at a Gaza university educated in London, a professor of literature, read of this and tweeted this yesterday, quote, was the baby baked with or without baking soda, close quote. That is the morality of Gaza and in Gaza. That is the university, the professoriate in Gaza. That is who Israel is fighting. That is what Israel is fighting. It is a what, by the way, and not a who, because human beings do not think or write that way. Meanwhile, Israel is told not to react disproportionately and that more Palestinians have been killed since October 7th than Jews on October 7th. And maybe, who knows, the Palestinian deaths, as Joe Biden said last week, come from numbers reported by Hamas, not to be trusted. But assume they are trustworthy. We do know how war works, right? For Israel to act proportionally as it is being told to do would be an impossibility. It would mean it would sneak into Gaza, find innocent children and women, rape them, burn them, drag them through the streets, decapitate them, and promote all such actions on their social media accounts using their own telephones. That would be proportionality. Israel will not, it cannot do that. It may do what this country did do. Again, in the words of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, with regard to Germany and Japan in World War II, quote, through righteous might, went to absolute victory, close quote. But it may not, and if it does not, it will be because moral idiots will find reasons to excuse and contextualize the behavior of the iniquitous, the immoral, and the medieval. In World War II, 80,000 Americans and British citizens died. Two million Germans did. Maybe America and Great Britain should have been restrained, uh, restrained and urged not to fight for themselves or to act disproportionately. Or maybe it's time once and for all to say, as Hannah Arendt said of Adolf Eichmann, you know what, you who burn babies and decapitate women in front of them and have professors who justify it, you, we simply cannot share the earth with you. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. I'm doing that. I'm pretty I'm doing pretty well on this. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson show 6025080960. Yes, young David, did you want to say something? I was just going to say did you have a vegetarian weekend or uh an anti-meat weekend? Amending carnivorous habits is what amending I feel safe in. Amending carnivorous habits. Yeah. Amending carnivorous habits. Carnivorous meaning red and red meat and anything. Uh well, just don't turn vegan. Mammal, huh? Well, just no, don't ever turn vegan. No, I, I don't, don't mind veganism, no, but it's never. the incessant social trait that all vegans seem to share, that they must tell you that they are vegan. That's how you know they're a vegan. Yes. Yeah, you don't just it's discover how you know it by someone taking does them out dinner and No, it's, uh, oh, I'm vegan, you know. It's how <laughs> you know. tell you. It's how, the, it's how you know they do CrossFit. They'll tell you. Mm-hmm. It's how you know they are um, allergic to, uh, I don't know, peanuts or gluten or or, or yeah, something. the gluten one yeah. is big. Yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, 
or, or, or spelt or something. We don't need to know. <laughs> We're not offering it up. You really raised an interesting question I want to return to. It plagued, um, plagued a bunch of us over the weekend, David. Uh, we'll come back to it in a moment, but it's about how the youth today will be remembered. Those who are engaging in these genocide and, and, and genocide marches on college campuses, those that the, the those people that are that are revealing a a vile a vile underbelly that too many people didn't know existed, but many of us warned about. Erwin Chemerinsky, do you know who he is? He's um probably one of the most famous liberal law professors in the country. Erwin Chemerinsky. He's been at it a long time. I remember him being popular even when I was in grad school, even undergrad, actually. He's been around a long time. He had a big piece in the LA Times today. Before I turn to it, just a thought I want to share with you, just a thought about an adjunct to what I was saying in my monologue. I was talking to someone in Washington, D.C. today, a non-Jewish guy, and he said, um, you know, 30 Americans were slaughtered. 30 Americans were killed in the greatest terror attack on Americans since 9-11. And the mind stretches to think of the greatest attack, the greatest number of Americans killed before 9-11 who were civilians, not in uniform. But 30 Americans were killed. And we're talking about restraint and we're hand-wringing and pearl-clutching that you know, no one overreact here. No one overreact. No one act disproportionately. No one try to actually solve this terrorist act with violence. And you know what I told him? Something I hadn't thought about in a while. In 1986, two Americans were killed in Germany because he said, well, maybe it made a difference that they were killed in another country. Two Americans were killed in Germany. 1986. You remember that, Mr. Bill? At a discotheque in Berlin. Do you know what Reagan did? He opened up holy hell and bombed Gaddafi. Two Americans, 10 days later, bombed Libya in Tripoli and Benghazi. And when he was told, it looks like we missed Gaddafi, but you may have killed his daughter, Hama, which is what Gaddafi was claiming. You know what Reagan said, young David? You know what he said? I actually don't. If necessary, we'll do it again. That's what Reagan said. Diplomacy through And he strength. said it again during his televised speech that night. He said, today we have done what we had to do. If necessary, we shall do it again. It gives me no pleasure to say that, and I wish it were otherwise. But as Lincoln put it, one side wanted to avoid war, but the war came, and one side would rather fight it than die. Two Americans, two in Berlin, two. 30 earlier this month, 32 actually, and hostages being held as we speak. So it's not just that they were in another country. I don't think. I think something deeper is running around here, something far deeper and far more noxious. Erwin Chemerinsky, excuse me, joins a lot of the liberal left in this country in looking about what's going on on our college campuses with tremendous shock. Who knew this could happen? 
Who knew there was such Jew hatred and such hatred for decency that people could actually march with, with, with not only march for the other side, but march for a call to genocide. River to the Sea, that's a genocidal march. That's no Israel whatsoever. It's not even 1947 partition plan. By the way, this notion, <laughs> this notion, Dave Rubin said this on the Corolla show on Friday, is a good reminder. This notion of you know being anti-colonialist is all good and well, but there's really only two non-Arab states in the entire region that aren't colonies, arguably Egypt and Israel. You want to go back to before 1947, that's fine. You now have British colonialism. You want to go back to a British colony if you want your pre-1947 state or your pre-Palestinian, your pre-Israel-Palestinian state. Anyway, these, um, these uh, liberals who are now standing up with shock, utter shock, that faculty members can join in this bloodlust and blood march and this perversion of being on the wrong side of not just decency and morality, but clear right and wrong. They're, they're, they're just totally shocked. Erwin Chemerinsky in the LA Times today, I'm a 70-year-old man, but never in my life have I seen or felt the anti-Semitism of the last few weeks. I've heard anti-Semitic things from time to time through my life, and then he lists a few, but none of this prepared me for the last few weeks. On Friday, someone in my school posted on Instagram a picture of me with the caption that I had taken a sabbatical from Berkeley Law. He's the dean at Berkeley Law School. To join... The IDF. Two weeks ago at a town hall, a student told me that it would make her feel safe if we could just get rid of Zionists and that I was part of a Zionist conspiracy, he said. Students for Justice in Palestine called the terror attack a historic win for resistance. A Columbia professor called the Hamas massacre awesome and a stunning victory. A Yale professor tweeted, it's been such an extraordinary day. UC Davis professor tweeted, quote, Zionist journalists have houses with addresses, kids in school. They can fear their bosses, but they should fear us more. A Chicago art professor posted a note reading, Israelis are savages and pigs, irredeemable excrement. May they all rot in hell. And he says, where did this come from? We have been telling them where it's been coming from. National socialism does what national Socialism is. National socialism is what national socialism does. We have been telling them about this underbelly for a very long time, and now the body has been turned around upside down and it's been exposed, perhaps upside right. And college presidents want to congratulate themselves for being able to host institutions that honor all forms of speech, though the speech may uncomfortable, may be uncomfortable. They finally found their resolve to support freedom of speech. Riley Gaines can't come to a campus and say men can't compete on women's sports, and in fact, in certain campuses, she'll be put under house arrest by the students, and the administration will stand by and say everything was just fine, but this, this we're proud of, we're proud of this free speech. That's the country we live in right now. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Doug is in Maricopa. Hello, sir. I know you've been trying to get through. I thank you for your patience. Oh, not, 
that it all set Dave. I appreciate your patience. You know, with this whole thing with with Israel, I've been so frustrated and angry, and um, I believe it's a righteous anger. But I I think the other day I was going to be asking some what I thought was going to be very touchy questions, so I thought it needed some historical context. But that's fine if you're over dinner and you don't mind long discussions, but on the radio it became quite, uh, how should I say, overrun, you know. But but the point is, today I was going to ask, um, you know, this idea of, you know, proportional response, I, I don't get that uh, with Israel, what it is with the Jewish people that everybody expects them to just, be nationally blown apart and attacked. So I, um, and then just stand back and say tit for tat and not try to alleviate or stop the the abuse. So I was thinking just a few things historically. What was the proportional response by Abraham Lincoln in the North during uh, before the Civil War when the South is all they did is attack one tiny, really not that big of uh, a fort, Fort Sumter. And according to liberal logic today, the North just done a proportional response and maybe bombed one tiny little fort, killed a thousand or so men, and then we could have all just gone back and they had everything be fine. What was the proportional response to Pearl Harbor? And according to liberal logic, we would just go out and do a bombing run and maybe kill a thousand, a couple thousand Japanese, and then we can go back and let the empire of japan go about suppressing everybody in 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 uh, asia so you know there's so many times and you brought up you know some things that reagan did what i loved about reagan as a younger man was that he didn't do proportional response he kicked butt and said don't do it again you know i love the bombing of libya you know it ended things and things got real quiet afterwards didn't it you know, I just it goes back to the very first question I raised in my monologue. I don't know what it, I don't blame people for hating war. I, I I think we all hate war. But we also have to understand human history. And there are those that don't hate war. There are those that believe in bloodlust. You can tell a country that hates war versus a country that doesn't by the one that videotapes it and turns it into a snuff film for propaganda purposes versus one that would never even think that anyone could do such a thing. Where, that, 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 that's, that's, the di- that's, that's the difference between a country that hates war and a country that doesn't. But the country that doesn't hate war will go to war against the country that hates war. And the country hate, that hates war has, has a binary choice. Surrender and watch... Okay. The world plunge into darkness, unlike anything we've seen since the Middle Ages, or fight back as best you can with the most morality you can summon. But understanding, as FDR did after Pearl Harbor, that we had to fight to, as he put it, our uttermost for a righteous, absolute victory. His words, a yeah. righteous, absolute yeah. victory. And he couldn't yeah. rest until Yamamoto was killed. Absolutely. And we lost 3,000 
Americans almost at Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And Japan lost what as a result? And we don't even think twice about it. What did they lose and as a I'm, result? Three million people. Three right. million people. And let's all think of one of our greatest victories that we have watched so many shows on, and that we hold this as a badge of honor, of courage, um, undaunted courage, was D-Day and the assault and taking the battle to Hitler. During that day, in the days afterwards, there were tens of thousands of Frenchmen, civilians, that were killed in that battle. Did you, and, you, you had made mention of something you had, Dinner. This was a short segment. Was there more you wanted to do? Because I'm happy to tie you, hold oh, yeah. you over. Yes, yeah. I did, right. but I yeah. didn't know. Yeah, you bet. No, it's perfectly fine. We'll be right back. I think we should start this with the strumming of the guitar, David, so we can get to the vocalization where Steve Miller first strums the strings on the guitar there, and then start it. Otherwise, we never get to the whoa part. The whoa part? Yeah. It's the important. Part. The What's important, the woe part? It's the beginning of the song, really. The the important part of the beginning of the song. Not, yeah. <laughs> what? We've been over and over this. This we, is the first time I'm hearing of this. This is Why not don't we the, let our good friend Bill consult on this? Steve no, Miller well, man. he deliberately... That is his favorite artist. Bill, Did you know yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, Bill engages in subterfuge on Steve Miller music. Bill but, hates Steve Miller. <laughs> right, that aside, that Les Majeste aside... We have been over and over against the issue um, on the issue of we need lyrics with our bumper. Tell that to Maynard Ferguson. And the intro when we are using lyricists. Uh I wasn't done with the sentence. Gotcha. (laughs) Doug, thanks for waiting, brother. Go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so getting back to D-Day... What was the tit-for-tat that the modern liberals and and the gutless think we should have done on D-Day? We shouldn't have really assaulted and done such a violent attack on Europe because we're talking about having innocent civilians uh, that were hurt. Now, what they don't do, because they're quite, uh, you know, like I said, I've said many times, you got to be really educated to be so stupid, because just simple common sense says, in in trying not to kill someone, you oftentimes historically kill more. And and uh, so that doesn't mean that you're less violent. You just want the violence and murder to occur in a different fashion. So don't act like you're they're a better person because uh, you know some of the greatest debacles were by the spineless and the gutless. Well, this is the George Orwell point. Yes, this is the George Orwell point of the fascist. He is the hand. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, of the pacifist. He is the handmaiden of yeah. the fascist. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I love the point Victor Davis Hanson makes that uh, you know we're where he calls us a therapeutic society. It's yeah. you know in many ways we are, and it's like George Patton slaps two guys. Now, he is the most feared general by the Germans because he does what everybody else talks about but doesn't do. And he does it so quickly that he actually accomplishes more with less loss of life. Everybody said, oh, no, it's a high cost, but not for what he accomplishes. So we take him off the front line. 
And George Patton was not around after D-Day. Um, he was the fake Third Army up there that was our fane. But the whole point was more 40,000 people, Victor Davis Hanson says, was the cost of not having Patton there because more men by far were killed after D-Day and a couple months after D-Day until George Patton came in. And as soon as he got in, he busted out and blew across France. And the whole point was, in order, the therapeutic people oftentimes kill far more. We worry about five, six thousand, four, five, six thousand people killed on D-Day, and there was tens of thousands of uh, young men that were killed after D-Day because we were so upset that someone slapped someone. So you go back to those ten or twenty or thirty thousand men and say. You might have died, and you might have all been slaughtered, but good heavens, at least no one was left. And this is the mentality we do oftentimes when you have Chamberlain doesn't want to confront or get the Germans mad. Think about that. Historically, what a pansy, gutless thing to do to say you don't want to confront fascism. you know. And so I hold the pacifists uh, accountable for a lot of the death because if he could have, matter of fact, there were documents found in the German archives after the war that said if we had confronted the German army, he, Hitler was at a teeter-totter. There was a lot of forces trying to get rid of Hitler in the government and the military. If we had confronted him when they tried to advance on the Rhineland before World War II, it would have collapsed. And then you're talking about uh, how many? 30, 40, 50 million less deaths. But so, you, you know, the gutless oftentimes kill far more. And for to, to sit there and look at Israel and say they cannot defend themselves when historically we have done the same is beyond hypocrisy. Oh, it's a and doubling we, down of it, really, when you think about what they're marching with on our campuses. It's not only Israel should stop. By the way, is anyone asking Hamas and Islamic Jihad to stop? Do you know they're still yeah, firing no. missiles? Why are they still firing missiles? No. And why are they no, holding hot? You know Israel would not be in God. All they have to do is turn over the terrorists and the and the, and the hostages, and this could stop. This would stop. Oh, it, but they instantly. won't. But by the way, it's, it's, it is on the college campus, a doubling down, and in the streets, and God knows these other riots, it is a— it is a doubling down. It's not only Israel should not respond, Israel shouldn't exist— it's a justification sure, yeah. of what Hamas did. Whether whether we're putting stars of David in, in, in trash cans, have you seen this imagery with the line, cleanse the world? Oh, People God, know what that me. means. People know what it means to clean the world with the Jewish star in a trash can. But when they say from the river to the sea, that's no Israel. That's zero Israel. That's, no. that's not Tel Aviv existing. That's not Haifa existing. That's not Herzliya. It's no Israel. It's none. It's zero. Seth, it's it's the only country that. in the world I know anywhere where anyone is marching that says it shouldn't exist. Yeah. I don't know of another country in the world yeah. people are marching saying it shouldn't exist. Yeah, I know. It, and it's, it's worse than that, Seth, in my mind. And people it's patting themselves on the want... back saying, look how good we are with free speech. We allow even the hateful. Right. right. No, no, no. It's worse than saying that they don't want Israel. Because when they say they don't want Israel, they're saying they don't want the Jews. Yeah, I was talking they're with saying, a friend, Steve, I think you may know him, uh, uh, earlier today. This word anti-Semitism needs to be retired. It doesn't capture it. It's Jew hatred. No. 
No, it's Jew hatred. When the, when, yeah. the, when the terrorist called his dad from his victim's telephone, and we played that audio last week, happy that he killed 10 Jews, he didn't say, I killed 10 Israelis. He said, I killed 10 Jews. These right. Germ, the German right. Jewish, the German, Amer- the, German is, the, the German woman who was killed in Israel wasn't an Israeli. She was a Jew. Yeah, they're they're yeah, trying. Yeah, they, they, they don't yell "Itbak all Israel," they yell "Itbak all Yehud." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we got to start the idea of being uh, very, very calmly civil is gone, as far as I'm concerned, because they need to be confronted. But this extends even past the, the, the. This is what I was trying to get to the other day. So I was trying to get it with historical because it's a subject that can sound terrible unless it has context but i think many many jewish americans are and this is going to sound bad and i don't mean it to be but many of them are liberals first and liberals second and jewish third no i don't think you're i no no jewish eighth ninth tenth yeah yeah yeah. hold on i gotta take a break don't go away Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Doug and Maricopo. Doug, when you said um, too often a problem with liberal Jews is that the Judaism comes tertiary to them. Um, yes. And, yes. and I was saying maybe eighth or ninth. It's not even that so much. Um, it's that any sense of decency does. They don't have yeah. to be Jewish. But no. they might want to think about what it is that taught ethics to the world. And you don't have to be Jewish to know that God knows. You and I share an ethical system um, being brought up in different religions, as I suspect we were. You have to just have a thing called decency and a civilizational sense. That's Mm -hmm. what it takes. The, The idea that based on an ideology you can support offensive, proactive violence. One of the guys speaking this weekend who was helping do the recovery on October 7th said, I saw little kids who were beheaded and we didn't know which head for which kid. He's the guy that taught, taught, that just revealed that they found a baby baked alive in an oven, and a professor in Gaza said, did they use baking powder? You don't have to be Jewish to say we can't share the world with you. We can't share this earth with you. We have no common basis of even existence of anything like on the same planet. Right, right. And people say Israel shouldn't be proportionate, shouldn't act disproportionately. It should be proportional. Well, I, well yeah, I, I would agree. My, my While other people say it shouldn't exist, that they had it coming. Right, right. Yeah, I, and, and, and think about this. These are the, the, it's coming from the left predominantly, um, and these are the people that say they're the ones that care, and they're the ones with compassion. So let's do, let's do a simple math test for these uh, leftist idiots, Okay. Because they, they, you can have an IQ of 160 and still be an absolute moron. Um, and, and what I mean by that is a memorization, the ability to memorize, and the ability to reason. 
are massively different functions. I know people that can memorize like crazy, but they have, uh, as Dennis Prager would say, they have no wisdom. And so let's, let's do this simple math equation for the left because they, they have a hard time thinking. Yeah, so let's do this. They say they're compassionate and they want to understand other people. So let's do this. Let's do the Palestinian uh, in, in the Gaza Strip, and let's compare that to Israel. In Israel, they have, what is it, 20% of the population uh, is Palestinian, and they live in peace and harmony. And there's even a Palestinian on their Supreme Court. I got to hit the break, buddy. I got to hit the break. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 